Jeff and Kay Lucas here in Kolkata in India. We were told when we came here that arriving would be an assault on the senses and that certainly is true. Statistics can be meaningless but when you think about 600 million people in extreme poverty in India, 170 million illiterate women because of gender prejudice issues, 70 million child workers and then 50 million female babies aborted because of those same gender prejudices, 2 million street children. But perhaps the most harrowing statistic of all is that of 500,000 children, half a million children caught up in prostitution. While being here in Calcutta uh, this week, I've been reflecting on the book of Micah. 2,800 years ago, Micah the prophet screamed at the people of God. And he had a particular burden for the women and children of the land. The women were being swept off of their land, sold into slavery. And there's a challenging verse in in Micah chapter 2 where it says you have stolen the blessing of my children it is not just a basic human right that children should be released from the fear of a sexual predator God passionately concerns, is concerned about this and right here in Kolkata Project Rescue is taking some steps to bring some fantastic and wonderful change Project Rescue have purchased some land in Barasat, just outside of Kolkata. And on that land, they want to build two homes of hope. One for the care of the daughters of women in prostitution, and the second home for aftercare, a residential vocational training centre. And then in Suchanachi, the largest red light district here in Kolkata, in India, there are several hundred multi-storey brothels and 10,000 sex workers. Project Rescue are in negotiations to purchase a building in this district of Suchanachi. And that building will house emergency residence and vocational training centre. Financial help is needed for the purchase of this building and the res res renovations and the two homes in Barasat. You know, just yesterday, visiting another project here, I was greeted by a child who said to me, how is it you look so beautiful? Which is not a question that I'm regularly asked. In fact, it's not a question I've ever been asked. And then I realized that she was looking at us because we were inspecting the project where she was safe, she was loved, she was being given education and an opportunity to flourish. She was looking at us and seeing us as being beautiful. Thank you for considering the opportunity to do something here in Kolkata, which is truly beautiful. Well, thank you, Jeff and Kay, and good morning, Timberline Church. Human trafficking, modern-day slavery, is a um, reality that is just really hard to comprehend, and that it exists in our world today. But according to our own State Department, the number stands at 12 million people globally enslaved. Other organizations like Salvation Army actually say the number is more accurately 27 million people enslaved globally. Out of the marketed internationally, transnationally victims, most are women and children sold into sex slavery. 
For some of you that don't know, Derry and I went on a trip to India, returning two years ago, um, just next month. And it was a very sobering trip, and upon our return, I started the You Count campaign. That is Timberline Church's anti-human trafficking endeavor. We immediately partnered with Project Rescue. Jeff and Kay were talking about them. And they are a multidimensional rescue and recovery ministry to victims of the sex trade. Um, From day one, I just want to say thank you because you immediately caught the vision and you have personally engaged. Just this year, I have received letters and cards from many of you, some of you collecting cans for cash. You've had garage sales. You've had bake sales, all for this purpose. And most recently, you artists, you're amazing. Thank you for your donations to our art auction, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But because of you and your generosity, I hold in my hands today the architectural designs for these homes of hope that Kay and Jeff were talking about. These are two homes of hope right outside of Calcutta, one a residential vocational center for rescued women and girls. The other is the home of hope for the littlest of victims. These are little girls whose mothers are prostitutes. They are slave-owned. They cannot leave the brothels, but they can get their little girls out. And they're given into the hands of Project Rescue Rescue for Education and Residents. And I just want to say thank you to you for providing a place where these little girls can run and play and enjoy a childhood as a child should. Um, Also, uh, Project Rescue is in negotiation for a permanent residence for their vocational center just steps away from the Sanagachi Red Light District. This is a vocational center immediately across from the district where the girls can come across, learn a new trade, and find financial independence. And right now, because you have shopped this year, thank you, and bought products from the marketplace, these are products that come directly from this vocational center. We have 16 girls that are fully, currently fully employed uh, making these products. So thank you, Timberline. You know, our goals could never have ever um, been accomplished without the work and heart and hands of so many. And I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you, thank you, for many of you who have volunteered all year to make these things happen. Um, And also the compassionate heart and support we've had from Timberline's graphic, tech, and media teams. So thank you. I also want to extend thanks to two very special women who have been with me from the very beginning, starting two years ago. This is Lisa Christofferson. She is the Director of Women's Ministries, and she's also the founder of Marketplace Ministry. I watched Lisa catch a vision on how to market these products, and she has walked this vision into a reality. Thank you, Lisa, to you and your team for all you've done. Lisa, Ginny, Ginny Stetson is our director for our prayer ministry for You Count campaign. Beth Grant, the founder of Project Rescue, you've heard me say this before. She says you may get the girl out of the brothel, but it takes God to get the brothel out of the girl. Thank you to Ginny's passion for prayer and her team for all their prayers on behalf of these women and girls. And I just want to say, how, how can you engage? You may be sitting there and you're saying, what can I do? Well, we have a volunteer sheet at, just out in the mall at the tables. Come see us. Lots of opportunities to engage. 
You can also immediately engage by walking out those doors after service and buying a product. Even if you buy a $2 card, you're going, that money is being used to help one of these girls. And you have the incredible opportunity to pick up some amazing art. Upstairs, second floor, please read your insert. I don't have time to go into the details. The silent auction started last night. It continues in Wednesday, afternoon, uh, Wednesday evening. And this has been the vision of Janice Mount and the Journey team. And I just extend my thanks. Um, incredible opportunities to pick up some amazing art. All the proceeds go to Project Rescue You Count campaign. Mark your calendars. Quickly coming on the horizon is Home Tour, December 4th, Friday night. We have expanded it. Um, it's going to be Home Tour as well as a, a family Christmas extravaganza. So please come, buy your tickets. Those proceeds go to Project Rescue as well. And our local in Denver, we have a partnership with an anti-human trafficking group called Praxis. Lastly, uh, um, being part of our database. This is a way to get emails on upcoming events. So come on back, sign your name, and you'll receive emails. I will finish up by just saying we are not touching 27 million global slaves. But for the girls that, because you have shopped our full-time employed, and for the women and girls who are going to walk through the doors of the Homes of Hope, and for the, all the little girls that you have guaranteed a childhood to, no, we haven't touched and changed the whole world, but for those lives, you have changed their world. Thank you, Timberline. Let's say thanks. God bless you, ladies. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. If you've been around a while, you know we've been at this for a while. It's like our third year, and um, thanks again from Bonnie and I both and all of you who have been involved. It's been amazing. I, you know, I can't get Bonnie up here ever unless it's this, and uh, and then I can't get her to stop talking once she's up here. She's pretty much in my preaching time now. So our deal is I preach here, she preaches at home, and we're both happy. Uh, it, it works out okay. But if you, if you have not gone by all the artwork, it's amazing out there. I mean, there's like 101 pieces of art. It's uh, up in the upper level. So take the elevator or the steps up on the west side of the upper level. And uh, I love what Janice said a while ago. She said, you're really not buying art. You're making a donation to UCount Project Rescue, and you get to take a piece of our home with you. And I really like that because that's really what it is. So we're not making money. We're not, don't turn over the change, money changers tables out in the temple, okay? Uh, everyone's donating these and we're giving all the money away. It's just a way to facilitate something really cool. So I know that you uh, will love that. Thank you. We're going to take an offering at the end and give you an opportunity just to respond. Whatever God puts in your heart toward building these homes. I can't wait until they're built and we have pictures to show you. You're making a difference in that. Hey, I uh, talk about legacy, and we've been talking about it for the last couple weeks, and I want to finish this series this weekend called Leaving a Legacy. What, is it, what does it mean to, to, for your life to continue on after your life? That's what happened to someone that we've been talking about named Leah. Today I want to talk about Beyond Leah. What does it mean for your life to continue long after you're dead and gone? Quick review. Um, Rachel and Leah are sisters. Who is the oldest? Leah is the oldest. That's right. Who is the beautiful one? In the physical sense, the Bible actually says that. Rachel is the beautiful one. Leah grew up. They both grew up with a father named Laban. 
And Jacob fell in love with Rachel, the beautiful one, and said, I want to marry her. Laban, the dad, said, okay, work seven years. So he did. And on their wedding night, he gives Leah instead of Rachel. Tough deal. And uh, all of a sudden, I mean, it's not fair to Leah or Rachel, Jacob. It's just a bummer. And seven days go by. He marries Rachel, works another seven years. Now Leah and Rachel are in this. If you read their whole story, it's a, there's some sad moments in the way this plays out. Rachel's really jealous of certain things. And it's just not a pretty picture. Leah is suffering. And... I want you to maybe, I have like five things on the back of the bulletin that I'm going to bullet through pretty quick here in a minute. But would you just set that down for a second and let me talk a little bit about Beyond Leah before we fill in anything and I don't want you to worry about it. When I told you about the definition of the name Leah, that's the Hebrew definition. Remember, Rachel was beautiful lamb, Leah was cow, right? Or weary. And she was homely, that she just didn't have good appearance. And so even her name in the Hebrew sense. But there's also an Assyrian meaning to the name Leah. And I want you to hear what that definition is. It means mistress of the manor or ruler. It means a queen or a princess, a wonder woman. And I'm saying, yeah, Leah, it's your turn. That's what we have in mind for you. The point is this. God has a way of redefining our lives with His name attached to our legacy. When we give our lives to Him, He does something that we can never do. Now, we don't always see it. It might not even happen in our lifetime. But what will this church look like 80 or 90 years from now? How many of you will be around yeah, a few of you probably will. How many of you are saying, I hope not? <laughs> you know, I think of the people 80 or 90 years ago, if they could see this. Matter of fact, let me show you a couple pictures because you're connected to these people. That's Timberline Church in 1923. Do you think these people then had any idea that we would be gathered here this weekend? Do you think they had any idea when they prayed for their city, when they asked God to do something great, do you think they had any idea that all of this would have happened? We're riding on those coattails. Next picture is a picture of them gathered in front of a building. I'm told that one of those little girls in a white dress there in the front row is actually Helen Warren. We honored her a month or so ago for her faithfulness here for 81 years. When I look at pictures like this, I just can't help but realize these people's legacy is going beyond their lifetime. We are here. Who knows all of the stories? You don't even know their names. I don't either. And yet we are connected in this strange way through legacy, through what God has in mind. Stuff we can't even imagine. You know, I want to just jump randomly over to Revelation chapter 21. This will make sense in a minute, so stay with me. This is talking about heaven. It says this in verse 21 of Revelation 21. The twelve gates of heaven were made of pearls. How many of you knew that? Okay, twelve gates all made of pearl. Each gate made of a single pearl. That's a big pearl. Okay, just to set that out, how are pearls made? It's an interesting process because a natural pearl begins when a foreign substance slips into the oyster between the mantle and the shell. It's like a splinter. Have you ever had like a pebble in your foot and you're walking and you're like, oh, 
or you get a splinter and you're trying to, and that's what the oyster does. And so it, it doesn't like how sticky it is. And so it starts coating it with a mother of pearl substance and it puts a coat on it to soften it. And then another coat and then another coat. And it's trying to ease the pain and the discomfort and another coat and another until it forms a pearl. And all it's trying to do is get rid of the discomfort. When I think of Leah's life, I think of the splinter moments of her life. I think of the discomfort she went through. I think of what did she cover those irritants with? She used grace. She used mercy. She used love. What do you cover your irritants with? You know, I I think of this and I thought, oh my goodness, when I get a splinter, when something negative happens in your life, when someone's bugging you, they cut you off when you're dry. Do you cover those irritants with grace and mercy and love? Leah chose to do just that, making pearls out of her life, literally. You know, let me just take you to Ezekiel 48, which is another passage talking about heaven. This is astonishing. Verse 30, these will be the exits and they're also the entrances to the city, the new city, meaning heaven on the north wall, which is a one and a half miles long. There will be three gates, each one named after a tribe of Israel. Remember, Jacob's name became Israel. The first will be named for Reuben, the second for Judah, the third for Levi, Are those names sounding familiar to you? Who are those people? Those are Leah's sons. Do you know that six of the twelve gates to come in and out of heaven are named after Leah's kids? That's pretty much beyond Leah. And each gate is a pearl. That's a lot of pain. But how in the world would God choose? Do you think that Leah, remember the story two weeks ago when she has her first son and she names him Reuben? You know what Reuben means? Do you remember? It means behold a son. She goes to Jacob and says, behold a son. And then the verse says, she thought, now my husband will love me. That was as far as she could see in that day. But now when we get to heaven, We're going to go in and out of the gates of her kids made out of a pearl. Leah couldn't see that. It way outlived her. And when I get there, I don't know if we can choose what gates we go in and out, but I'm going to look around. I'm going to be like, I'm going through Leah's gates. Way to go, Leah. You go, girl, because this was all about you today. It's not going to be wasted. Okay, let's fill in some blanks. I know some of you are like, type A, hurry, hurry, get to the lines. Leaving a legacy, and I, 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 I had a suggestion last week that we spell legacy with Leah, you see. So I thought that was kind of cute, so I did that. We know that's not the real way to spell legacy, but I just wanted you to know. Leaving a legacy means I embrace every phase of my life. Every phase of my life. Now, I am, I'm getting to that, <laughs> I'm in a place where I can understand phases of life. I don't even know what I'm talking about here, okay? I couldn't always. You know, when you're a kid and the big thing is just getting home from school, riding your bike, playing outside till supper time, you know, those were great days, right? That's a phase. Then you, you then you're a teenager and that's really cool because you're a teenager. Then you hit 20 and you're, you know, that young adult stage is fun. You're figuring out life all kind. Then when you hit 30, it's kind of like, whoa, I'm, I'm like getting old. 
Remember when you turned 30 and you weren't in your 20s anymore and you thought, man, because when you were nine, someone 30, they're close to death. Like, you know, they're up there. 30 years. Then, then, then you hit 40 and then I hit 50. And I'm understanding phases. And I'm thinking, wow, how can this be in my life? And, and some of our dear friends, 60, 70, 80, 90, and you think, wow, there's phases going on. Will I embrace every phase? Or will I try to live in the past? Will I try to do the woulda, coulda, shoulda thing? Or will I be a person who says, I'm going to embrace every moment of my life, even the not-so-great moments? In the 8.30 service, I saw Bobby and Kelly here, and I share this story with permission. I've shared it all weekend. But on September 9th, just last week, we met over in the prayer room to say goodbye and farewell to their son, Colton. Colton was a perfectly healthy little boy inside Kelly's womb. And the day before the C-section was scheduled, Colton passed away. Colton never knew a day outside Kelly's womb. And you think, why? How can that happen? I don't know the whys. I don't understand it all. But I do know this. Colton's leaving a legacy through the life he had. Because he's changed Bobby. And he's changed Kelly. And he's changed me. And he has changed his two little brothers. And Colton will never be forgotten. Now, is that something we would choose? No, it isn't. Is it something that we want to have happen to us? No. I don't understand these things when they happen. But I know this. Legacies are made when people begin to let the coating come over the irritants. And they take their need to God. And they say, I will be a person of trusting my God when life is hard, when I don't understand why it's happening to me. His brothers, Parker and Grant, wrote a note. And they put it on some balloons. And we went out into the north field and we released it. And I found out what was on Grant's note. He's four. And he wrote this to his brother, Colton, God will take care of you real good. Amen. God will take care of you real good. And God sees your pain and your heartache and your misery. And when it's not always what you want, God is there. Embrace every phase of your life. Make something beautiful out of that which is not. Number two, leaving a legacy means I learn to think beyond this temporary moment or situation. Now all of these are connected, but that's how we leave legacy is by somehow going beyond this temporary moment or this situation that I'm in today. Now, we are in a world where everything's instant. It is amazing to me, all these texting messages that you get instantly, and it goes here and there, and you post it on Facebook, and the whole world knows in a few minutes, and just, it's shocking. Matter of fact, I, as a pastor, I look at, how many of you have your cell phone with you right now? Okay, it's on silent mode, I'm sure. Thank you. You'd be surprised at the times I look at it, and I see someone texting right during my sermon you know the bible says all church texters will find their place in the lake of fire i'm kidding doesn't say that but we're so used to responding that we feel obligated if someone texts we got to do it right now it's instant we've got to answer and and we just live in this world that's right now right now right now I just want to stop you for a second, and I want to say, 
Living in the moment has its strong points. I get that. I do believe we should embrace it. But I also think life is more than just going for the gusto today. It's bigger than just a Friday night fun party. Your legacy is going to depend on you knowing that. Your legacy is going to depend on you having a bigger picture of your life than just the party Friday night. And God can help you with that. God can help us to say, I want to live beyond the moment, not for short term, but the long haul. That's why we're in India. That's why we're doing what we're doing. is because we're changing the legacy of girls' lives forever. Number three in your outline. Living a legacy means that I leave the outcomes to God. Oh, man. Okay, this is a tough one. Okay, because, you know, most of us are pretty much control freaks. Just poke your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. You better listen up. We want to be in control of the outcomes. You know, how many of you believe if you work hard, you should be rewarded? You know, you do this, you get this. And, and that's just how we live. That's our culture. And so then we come to God and we do everything we know to do and nothing. We just go into a trial. We face a hardship. It's not what we expected. All of a sudden, I have to trust God. See, I must learn that I cannot measure success and failure in the way that God can. You know, in your legacy, a hundred years from now, people aren't going to care how big the houses you live in. They don't care if it's a rented room. They don't care if you wear designer clothes or not. It's just not going to matter. It's not going to matter what kind of car you drive. What matters in your legacy is, did you walk with integrity? Did you have the characteristics of God? Did you plant seed? Did you make a difference? Were you the person God made you to be? That's what's going to matter. I can't control the outcomes in my life, and neither can you. Number four, leaving a legacy means being intentional wherever I can. And I can't always be intentional. I can try. But I'm talking about when those things happen in our lives that we don't expect. And I want to give you an example of one in Leah's life. In Genesis 35, verse 16, it says, Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved toward Ephrath, and Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Don't be afraid, you're having a son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died, and she was buried there in Bethlehem. What's the big deal there? Who's Rachel? This is Leah's younger sister. She has a son. Named Benjamin. Have you ever heard of Benjamin? Who raised Benjamin? Leah did. Now, this was not expected. This wasn't planned. Rachel had been jealous. She had been a a pill. I mean, she had been... It was tough for Leah. Leah could have said, Well, I'm not raising this kid. She could have taken out her bitterness, if she had any, on the son of Rachel... Think about this, you guys. Think about that situation you're in where you didn't ask for this. You know, you you didn't say you would do that job, and that's what you're stuck with. You didn't... On and on and go. Leah 
there's never a moment in Scripture where we say she resented Benjamin or she treated him bad. I believe she invested in Benjamin just like her own boys. I believe she was a full mom to Benjamin. And I think that's really cool because she wouldn't have had to have been and most people would have understood why. But Leah's heart poured into that little boy and out of the tribe of Benjamin comes the first king of Israel, King Saul. Guess who else came out of the tribe of Benjamin? Paul the Apostle in the New Testament. Maybe Leah's touch on Benjamin's life changed the legacy of who Benjamin would become. When I think of things like that, I am blown away. And so I challenge you today, please live with intentionality wherever you can. Lastly and finally, leaving a legacy. Number five means planting seeds along the way. Will you be a seed planter? You know, I'm not going to read the text, but in Luke 8, there's this idea that a farmer goes out to plant seed. And, and you've probably heard the parable, you know, some falls on the hard path and the birds come and get some other and some goes into good fertile soil. But the farmer's job is to just keep throwing seed. So, so practice. You're not too cool to do this. Try it with me. Ready? Just try this. Just throw some seed. Show me how cool you can throw some seed. Go ahead. Yeah, I like that. We're videoing this. We're going to put it on YouTube, raise some money. It's always funny when I do something like that. I see some people sitting there going, I will not do that. <laughs> it's fun. It's just fun. We are called to plant seed. You want to leave a legacy? Make a deposit where it's not expected. Give a smile when no one expects a smile. Be kind when you have the right to be mean. Tell the truth. Walk in the freedom that God has given you. Live above that line. Leave a legacy. It will go way beyond Leah. It will go way beyond. I can't imagine that Leah had any idea that forever coming in and out of heaven, she will walk through the gates made of a pearl bearing the name of her son. Let's pray. Lord, we want to leave a legacy. Seeds like serving, like money, like relationships, like energy. We want to plant those seeds. God, I ask you to be ever so close to every person in this room right now. Just put your arms around them. Show them you have a plan bigger than what they know. They can't see the future. And those who are discouraged right now, and it seems hopeless because they're just locked in the darkness of today or this week or this month, just lift their eyes beyond that and show them there is something bigger than that in their lifetime. Help us, Lord, to get that. With heads bowed, I'm going to pray for those of you who need to see beyond today, first of all. You're just stuck in that dark place. It's, we've all been there, and you just don't even know if there's a tomorrow a circumstance, a situation, and you just, you're just going to give it to God right now and trust Him. Hold your hand up. Would you just hold it up? Say, God, this is yours. This is yours. God bless you. Lord, you see these hands touch, heal, move in their behalf. 
Secondly, how many of you would say, I'm not as intentional as I need to be in my life, and I think I'm just sort of surviving day by day, but I, I need to think through that thing that has happened, the thing that it, maybe it's even an angst to you now. It's just a problem, and you could easily grow bitter because of it, because you didn't cause it, you didn't deserve it, yet you're stuck with it. What will you do with that? Maybe there's a pearl in the making. How many of you could think of something you need to say to God? Okay, I'm going to pay more attention to that. Just hold your hand up to God if that's you. Okay, Help us, Lord, to do just that. Help us to do that. Lord, help us all to continue to throw seeds everywhere we go. Our workplace, our home, every environment we're in. We trust you with it. And for those that may not know you personally in this room, Lord, right now, listen, if you're here and you don't have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus, it's why, it's why we are here, as we love Him. He loves you so much. If you know you're separated from God because of your own sin, the Bible says to confess your sins, believe in your heart. Right now you can pray, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to. I'm sorry. I believe you died on that cross for me and you rose from the dead. And I give you my future, my life, and I accept your forgiveness by faith. Now I'm your child. We pray this, Lord, all in your wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to sing a song together and take an offering. I want you to just do what God puts in your heart. If you're a guest with us today... Um, we don't expect you to give in this offering. Just be our guest. But, boy, for those of us who call Timberline our home, um, we love moments like this. And I don't apologize. This offering is going to make a difference in little girls and people as we build these homes of hope. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the sacrifice that you're making. Ushers, come, would you please? After this play, we love you, Lord. You're a mighty God. Wow. Praise the Lord. You guys, thank you so much for investing, for making a difference, for leaving a legacy. It's powerful what we can do together when we put God first and trust Him. I encourage you to go by the tables. There's lots of other tables out there as well. Go by the artwork. It's going to be out there till Wednesday evening. And uh, make it a part of your week this week. Thanks again. Our prayer team, would you come up here? They're going to be up here. If you want to pray with someone in either auditorium, Come and do that now before you head out of here. I love you. I believe in your legacy. You're making a difference. God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend.